Welcome back, everyone, to another YouTube live show. My name is Aaron, your host for this Slab Stocks Live. I'm joining with Nate again. Welcome, everyone, to another week's episode. Nate, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, of course. T206 guy, Tim, how's it going? Let's hop into this stuff. There's no point in wasting time. Let's get right into it. And today's discussion to start has a lot to do with how the basketball card market has changed over the last 10 to 12 years. And this discussion was started by Timé Swimé because he has a question about getting back into the hobby after being gone for 12 years. What's the best way to get acclimated with the products available? What's hot prices, release dates? Tops, Bowman, Upper Deck were kings back when I was collecting. Now it's Panini. And who is that? He asked. Thanks, guys. Love slab stocks. Uh, Timmy, thank you for that. We appreciate that. And I really didn't know how to tackle this question. So I really just wanted to check out the, the basketball card market over the last 12 years or so and see how it's been doing. So on December 21st, 2009, a LeBron, a LeBron James Bowman Chrome PSA 10 was worth $103 and a Steph Curry Topps Chrome rookie PSA 10 numbered out of $9.99 was worth $51. So this was back when Tim A would have been collecting. And let's see what happened after that. Uh, most of you know, if you've been researching the sports car market, but, but before seeing the values now, uh, here are the population reports on these cards. So LeBron James, Bowman Chrome, PSA 10. I just realized I snagged the wrong population, which totally messed up the Instagram post. I didn't realize that. Okay, so I'll have to correct that after. But this is the population for the LeBron James base because the Bowman Chrome cards were an insert into the 2003 Bowman base set so it says that there's 479 psa 10s for the base that's not the chrome uh, let me update that number after we get through this discussion and then there's 60 of the psa 10 steph curry number 999 love realizing a mistake when i'm live on the air so <laughs> what i just do you want to look it up do you want to look it up for me while i'm talking about this sure all right go into psa and then look up 2003 bowman rookies and stars LeBron James, and I'll show up. All right, so we got the LeBron James Chrome PSA 10 here, which is $19,000 now versus 150 or so 12 years ago. And then Steph Curry, which I heard sold for 85000 last night, right before the stream. It did not show up in my eBay search. Someone tipped me off that it did sell, though. I don't know if PWCC listed it weirdly to where it's not showing up in standard eBay searches, but sold for $85,000 at auction which now puts the market cap around $5 million based on 60 PSA 10s of that card. Um, the LeBron James market cap is wrong, too. We'd have to wait for Nate to get me that number. But um, that is where we're at today. So 12 years has gone, and Tim A, uh, it's changed a lot. <laughs> so um, that kind of leads me to my Aaron, next topic. What? Here, let me update you. So you're looking for LeBron James Chrome? Yeah, so it's this 2003 Bowman Rookies and Stars, and that should say Chrome. Yep. Next to, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're looking at 1,885 total graded, 485 PSA 10s. Okay, so it actually doesn't change it that much at all. But one PSA 1. <laughs> there you Pop go. One. Okay, so that's good, though. I'm glad that it doesn't change the market cap number that much. So, like, Instagram isn't totally jacked up, or at least the discussion now uh, as well. So, the market cap is around $9 million for that LeBron still. That Steph Curry's up to now $5 million based on last night's sale. But that brings me to updating Tim A on how different the market is now versus back then. So the Bowman Chrome base that Nate and I were just talking about for LeBron was a PSA 10 population of 485. I think Nate said 480. The base card for Luka Doncic from Prism two years ago, three years ago, is a pop for 16,034. So that is substantially higher. That's what, 40 times higher? Around uh, maybe, you know, 35 times higher than the Bowen Chrome. That's insane. That it that's just insane to see how high the production has increased. And those are actually selling for $1,515, which you know, they topped out around 2200 last August or so. And now they're down to 1515. And the sports car market has definitely exploded even more so than it was in August. But this card has seemed to be left behind. But it still supports a market cap of $24 million. 
which is way higher than the Steph, way higher than the LeBron. And here it is comparing the three. So I started at showing how the markets changed on the older cards when Tim A was into collecting, bringing up a newer card and just trying to show like how different the markets changed. Some people on Instagram are trying to say that you can't really compare these three cards. One, because the Bowman Chrome LeBron PSA 10 isn't the best card of his, which is true. The Topps Chrome PSA 10 is, but I still think that you can compare it. Like I still think it's comparable. Uh, it might not be like LeBron's best card, but I also wouldn't say that's necessarily like Luca's best card. I guess it is the most desirable base PSA 10. But I guess just this is just all to say that, Nate, I think that Luca is overvalued versus the other two guys being undervalued. Not Luca, not Luca as a player. Luca Prism based PSA 10 as a card. I'd agree. I mean, and, go ahead. It's just, I agree, but that's like old, old us. You know, if you've been collecting for a little bit, you would say, oh, that's absurd. But everyone that comes into the hobby, they don't really care. They don't. They probably don't even know how to look up pop reports for to find out that there's 16,000 PSA 10s. They just know PSA 10 is what they want to go after, and Luca right. is the new flashy. Yeah, and this is this is not debating the basketball skills of any of these guys. This is more, and and I do agree. I agree with Nate that I would say when we were starting. We were probably some of the first few outwardly speaking people to support base cards getting graded, selling as PSA 10s, and really like trying to multiply that process over and over. Um, that was not a very supported thing two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, oh. I know I know Nate would agree with me. I'm sure talk, a lot of people about not supported. You got you got ripped into for telling people to buy Ronald Acuna base PSA 10s at 30 bucks. And exactly. So it was not supported by the masses at all. Um, and that's not me saying now that like, oh, it's, it shouldn't be supported by the masses again. My whole point is, is that I think that if people, I think people getting into the market start to learn, I think we're at a point now where the majority of the people are in the market today have been in the market for a bit now, maybe meaning like three to nine to 12 months could be wrong by that. But I think that like, as times went on. It's kind of been like, oh, new person, new person, new person. That just kind of like flattens out, you know? And those people up here that are still supporting all the buying and everything, which is good. But this card, this Luca PSA 10, if no one changed their thinking with how they were buying, this card would be like four or $5,000 right now based on how the rest of the market's adjusted over the last three months. And that's just where I'm coming from is that while the rest of the market, like I think now, I think over the last two weeks, more than ever, which is, we say this a lot, I feel the market's never been hotter in terms of like how much it's talked about, how much money might be flowing in. But you don't see people out there again scooping up 500 PSA 10 Lucas at a time, which they might be, and they just might be doing it quietly. But I feel like that it's at a lower rate than that might have been, say, you know, eight, 12 months ago, six, six to eight months ago. And then the flip side of this is how fast do we see that Luca PSA 10 pop grow versus a LeBron PSA 10 pop 10, 20 times faster. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm just saying a lot of things that a lot of people know and agree with. And the people who are buying might just not care, which I know that we don't determine what happens in the market. We know that other people know that. Um, but I'm just giving some observations I'm making. That's not to say that you need to like dump all your new stuff and buy old stuff. It's not that. I love the modern card market. Nate does. Sam does. We all do. I just think that there's other avenues in the modern card market other than buying base PSA 10s. And I would say that if you are making money by buying graded or buying non-graded base, grading them, that is like the prime time to flip and take some profit. Would you not agree with me? Like, yeah. I think I'm, I'm all about taking profit. Yeah, especially if especially if it's a, you know, I've got like Fernando Tatis cup cards that I'm going to be sending in to get graded. Right. Right. This is not a card I care about. It's a card that I think could probably get you fifty, sixty, seventy dollars, even if the prices go down a little bit. Um, no chance I would ever hold on to something like that. Exactly. So like. 
I think it's kind of, it's like a cycle thing. You buy it, you grade it, you sell it, you take that money, you buy something more scarce that you really enjoy or you think can have long-term collectability or long-term uh, value and hold on to that. Yeah. And then you might reinvest some of that money and do the process over again. Buy a non-graded base or non-graded uh, foil out of update or something if you're baseball and grade that. Yeah, down. just keep moving the keep moving forward with the next release and the next release. People, you know, right now, 2021 series one, there is going to be so many gradable pachés and Barts and Adels and stuff out there because people are just like buying a pack, getting a couple rookies, and wanting to get their money back out. You could probably buy all those right now, put them, send them into PSA, get them back next February, sell them put the money into 2022 top series one rookies repeat the process. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out Henry H says, Nate, all of us are smart enough to, uh, to know pop by now. I'm not talking about anybody in here. Clearly, if you are spending your five o'clock hour or six o'clock hour, if you're East coast or like four o'clock hour, if you're Pacific time uh, on the computer, watching this, you probably know a decent amount or you're trying to learn a decent amount. Three o'clock Pacific time. Three o'clock Pacific time. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot about mountain time zone. Yeah. Uh, Don't we all? The people that I'm talking about are the people that just see the ability to make money and don't want to do any research, any learning, and they just come in and they buy whatever's hot. I will also agree with now people are definitely more educated now with T206, which is kind of like what I was saying. And that possibly means that the new people getting into the market, they kind of learn how the overall market is working at that time. People come in right now, and if they see that the prison-based PSA 10 is not the thing right now, they won't buy it. So now the new people come and learn a new trend. And then after that, a new trend gets made. They learn a new trend. It's just a constant changing of the trends. And a Timothy – or Timothy, sorry uh, – here he is, the man that asked this question. As far as pricing, is Beckett still a thing or is eBay the way to go? Uh, Beckett Price Guide is a thing, but don't read it. Go to eBay and look up whatever card you need. Search by sold listings. And I was going to point out after this discussion we had right now that I made a video last uh, fall called Slabstock's 101 Basketball Cards. Look that up. It'll give a history over the last 25 or so years of how the basketball card market has changed, what the new brands are that you should be looking into, and the old brands that you might have remembered. And then if you keep watching the Slab Sox 101 playlist, there's a lot of different things in there I think can really help you out. Uh, searching eBay for sales data, searching PSA for population reports. Um, Nate goes through some buying strategies. I go through some selling strategies. There's just a lot of good information in there. But definitely eBay is the way to go to learn the price values like I was showing here on this presentation. Uh, wait, are we done with that conversation? Uh, I just wanted to point out one more thing. You can't just go by pop. You have to factor in what people want. Want always outweighs pop report. And, you know, similar argument would be you can't go based just on stats, right? Uh, sometimes you see a guy that's really, really good, and his prices just don't go up as much as you would figure. And then you see guys that have, like, a mediocre year and their prices keep rising because, again, you can put all the numbers you want, all the statistics you want, all the pop reports you want at something and be like, this is a terrible investment. But if enough people decide they want something, you can't, you know, you can give them all the numbers they want, all the numbers you want, but it's not going to change their mind. And I agree with that. And I'm not trying to say that Prism shouldn't be bought um, because clearly it's, it's like Nike, you know, probably produces more shoes than that small brand out there. But Nike's shoes are worth more because more people want them. And I think that I like this comment from Joe because I also want to point out that you can't – like Pop Report 100% matters, and that's why we've seen the market change as it has over the last three months. But you also can't just go by Pop, as Joe said, because you could go on there and you could look up some random card from some random prestige set four years ago of, let's say, I don't know, like Jason Tatum. And be like, oh, that card's a pop two. That card should be worth more than that pop two thousand uh, prism card, which is hundred percent not true. You know, yeah. like that is something that is so out there. I'm trying to compare cards that people want and also have pop reports that you can compare. Which is why I picked like the Bowman Chrome LeBron PSA ten. Like people want that card. There's other LeBron rookie cards out there that have lower pops, and 
I will not be like, oh, this card's low pop, so you should, that card should be worth more than Bowman Chrome. Like, absolutely no way. Like, Bowman Chrome's a huge brand. People want that card. So there's def- you definitely need to do a, like a holistic view of the marketplace. And I definitely think like what people want is as much as reading demand. And reading demand is probably the most important thing you can do in the sports car market and any market. Yeah, read demand and see where it's changing and see how you can stay ahead of it. All right, this Saturday, I will be in Miami with uh, Sam Dunks, Slapstock Sam. We will be at Courtside Card Show number three. We're helping co-host it. I cannot wait for Saturday. Um, if you guys are in the Florida area or right outside of Florida or want to take a trip to Miami for the weekend, would love to see you there and meet you. Uh, I'll be doing some sweet vlog content when I'm there, and I will be sharing those videos afterwards. So hope, hopefully uh, you guys will be looking forward to watching that. I'm super pumped, though, 2 to 7 p.m., First event I'll be at since the National in 2019, which is crazy to think. All right, next up, recapping some of last week's Slab Stocks breaks. Just one thing. Uh, we had the microwave break. It was the craziest thing I think I've ever done with cards is I stuck some packs of 96 Fleer in a microwave. You guys can watch that video. It's like four minutes long. Without recapping. the foil pack, though. Just yeah, no, not, not the foil pack. Otherwise, I would start the house on fire. Um you guys can watch that four-minute video recapping it. Um, I think it's it's kind of fun and it's definitely a learning experience, but that's all I'll say for now. But we did hit four Jordans on one box, which would have been crazy if they were PSA 10s because that would have been like $2,000 plus if they're all PSA 10s. But of course, uh, that's very hard to do, even if your cards aren't stuck together like a brick. This Saturday, also in Miami, I'll be opening up a 2012 Prism Retail basketball box. This is the biggest box we've opened yet on the Slab Stocks Breaks YouTube stream. And we will be streaming this break live on YouTube. So please come and watch on Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That is the time we're opening the box. It's going to be crazy. I'm very excited. And what's going to go down in Miami is a card show. Uh, just to address that question, a card show from 2 to 7 p.m. You guys can find this post on our Instagram account. We'll be reposting it throughout the week. And uh, the address is down there, 1300 Southwest 87 Ave or SW. I don't know if that stands for Southwest. All right, here we go. First question from M Clippers, or I guess second question. Do you think it's time to grade second, third-year cards of iconic players? I only know but your thoughts. Uh, I think that it was time actually over a year ago to do this. So Kobe Bryant, second year, 97, Metal Universe, PSA 8. The funny thing is, is I made this post for Tan. I had no idea this question was asked, but uh, this fits perfectly into it. The non-grade of this card sells for like $120. Now, of course, this card can be quite damaged. This is a card that is not like a modern card. So, but I, that's why I compared it to PSA 8. The PSA 8 sells for over 300. So if you're holding on to this card, you know, maybe for the past like year, two, three, four, five years, uh, definitely send this card to get graded. Even if you get an 8, you're looking at like over two and a half times the price. If you get a 9, even higher, a 10 is out of this world for that card. Funny, Metal Universe. But uh, no matter what the card is, unless it's like something really random, if it's LeBron, Kobe, Tom Brady, any of those like all-time legends or even like the guys right below them, second and third year cards, if it's the right sets, are worth a ton of money. You got anything else to say, Nate? <laughs> I mean, I would agree. You go look at uh, not not base cards, but you go look at um, like Patrick Mahomes select colored or prism colored from 2018, 2019. Uh, prices are still pretty high. Um, and it's probably not a card that many people are searching out. So if you got them, send them off. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of different things to be able to um, grade out there that might not have been graded because of past perceptions of the cards or past values. It's not even perception. It's just like the cards are so cheap that no one is grading them. Yep. And also, uh, Henry, a precious metal gem, PMG of that Kobe would be insane. I That's a dream card for me. Someday, that'd be nuts. All right. Do you think the 2012 Prism Basketball Complete set will increase in value and become an even more iconic set among collectors and investors alike, similar to how the 86 Fleer set has become? Good investment now. I see a lot of people out there compare 2012 Prism to 86 Fleer, not saying that's going to get to the same valuation, but like this generation's 86 Fleer. I I want to pump the brakes just because like I don't think anything can be compared to 86 Fleer. Um, if you think about like how Tops got out of basketball cards, then there wasn't really any like pack produced basketball cards for like a two three year period. Was that from what like 82 to 86? 
I want to say like star had some cards in there that were given out and it was like cello packs, but um, there was no pack pulled cards, I believe between a few of those years, like 86 Fleer was like, you know, the big entrance I I'd say. And I think it really carries even more weight for the obvious reason of Michael Jordan's rookie card. Like that is just by far and away, no question the biggest part of it that's that's an obvious statement i don't want to make it seem like that was some big statement but uh i just don't i don't get the same feeling for 2012 don't get me wrong 2012 prism is probably one of my favorite sets ever but we're also talking about 86 fleer and considering it's got one of the top basketball players of all time in my opinion the best of all time rookie card in the set you're not going to get that with anthony davis or Kawhi leonard's rookie card or damian lillard's and i think that's just where it's different it just lies in that alone. But I do think that's the best set of this generation in terms of like a, a base set, complete set. Nothing is being that from 2010 to 2020. Nothing is being that. You go back and you maybe have a complete set of 2003 tops Chrome, and that's obviously beating 2012 Prism. LeBron's rookie is insane out of that. D-Wade's rookie, Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony rookie. But 2010 to 2020 – Best set by far, $3,200 on January 24th. Seems like a steal. I think this set has got a lot of room to grow in the future. I think the set in general, the, the, not just the complete set, but the cards too do as well. Um, like the pops aren't crazy on those cards, which is what matters. I mean, especially considering I like to think about it as like cards that have lower pops that won't add a bunch of tens as time goes on are valuable cards. I'm I'm worried that like a Luka Doncic or Zion Williamson 10 pop over the next five years is going to be so much bigger than it is now. And it's already super big, right? Like you're not going to see another thousand Anthony Davis PSA 10s pop up. You just aren't. And that's why I think that these sets matter so much from early days of Topps Chrome, early days of Prism and uh, selecting stuff. That's my take. Um, take it for what's worth. But I wouldn't see why this set and these cards wouldn't, you know, grow with the market, especially compared to the newer Prism stuff because of how, you know, produced is. But also the the, the serial number cards from the new Prism are still going to sell very well, better than any non-auto rookie cards out there, in my opinion. Um, that's for sure, I think. And Nate, I want to get this in there because I know you want to talk some baseball. There's no baseball questions today. There are no baseball questions today. But Jason Dominguez, which are the best cards to invest in? Um well, you only have one option, really, unless you want to go uh, like a lesser tops product like Bowman's Best, or if you want to go a like crappy Fleer or not Fleer, um, uh, Leaf product, right? Uh, you can go that route, but uh, I would, I would not want to. And so the only other option you have is Bowman Chrome, and um, I have one around here. I don't know where it's at. Uh, but I would hesitate with that, too, in that his prices are so high. We're talking, I have a Bowman Chrome Mojo, PSA 9. Last one went for like $150. PSA 9 of Jason Dominguez. He has yet to play stateside. He had an entire year off because of uh, COVID. And so while obviously there is huge, huge potential, and I don't doubt that he's going to be amazing, um, there's also just gigantic risk so go with a bowman chrome base or a bowman chrome mojo or a bowman chrome colored um and if you have it auto but know that there's way more risk with a guy like jason dominguez than there is with others considering price and where he's at on the uh, minor league order right now nate at what point would you like stop paying up for wander franco versus jason dominguez like let's say a wander franco auto psa 10 is 2x Jason Dominguez. I know you would probably pay that, right? Wander Franco two times more than Dominguez. Here's the thing. So let's let's dumb it even farther down to Bowman Chrome. Bowman Chrome base cards. Sure. A PSA 10 Wander Franco is like 200 and probably like $40. A PSA 10 Jason, a PSA nine, Jason Dominguez is probably like 120. I gotta imagine a PSA ten is going to be more than that. Um, and so like right there, you see Wander Franco as a pretty decent investment if you're comparing him to Jason Dominguez. But for an auto, how how much more would I go? Like three times more. Let's say let's say let's just make it easy. Dominguez auto PSA ten is a thousand dollars. 
At yeah. what point do you stop buying Wander Franco and you buy like three Jason Dominguez or four Jason Dominguez? Like, what's your number? It's a tough question. I know. I'm, it's just popped in my head. I'm curious. Um, man, it'd have to be like four times. Like, I'd no. rather spend I'd rather spend three thousand dollars on one Wander Franco than buy three Jason Dominguez's at this point. In six months, that might look like the stupidest take I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> you never know. Um, that's why I, that's... we're also looking at like PSA ten Juan Soto is going for ten thousand, and uh, he's won a he's won a champion. Yeah, ten thousand. Are you serious? Yes, ten thousand. Um, he's won a championship. At least a couple of them did. They might be. They might have gone back down since then. But well, like, like graded, non graded are four. Holy cow! Yeah. Uh, so you're looking at a guy that doesn't play great defense, is a corner outfield only, has won a championship, big, um, as like a $10,000 card. Wander Franco won good Rays teams. I know it's the Rays compared to the Nats. Nats are a bigger market, Washington, D.C. But uh, if Franco's as good as they say, I don't see why he also couldn't reach those levels. Right, right. Uh, are you making any content in Miami other than the prison break? So the prison break is the only live content I'll most likely be do doing for Miami. I might do a quick Instagram live stream, uh, but I'll be doing that the live break of the prison. I'll probably take around an hour, but I will be, I'll be streaming a vlog of the entire trip. Um, so definitely look out for that. It'll be like a 20 to 30 minute YouTube video about, it. I'm really pumped for that one. There are some other things on the side here. I want to point out. So, Delande, I think, is the name. What are investors exactly after and why? Thanks. So I could sit here and be like, oh, Prism because it's the big brand. National Treasures because it's got the Ricky Patriotos. But I'm just going to make it super general. And I think investors are after things that people want to lock up and put away for their lifetime. That's how I see it. Is that people who are coming to this space, and yes, there's there's – that's not to say that investors, you can you don't only have to be tagged as an investor to be investing a ton of money. But the people I see out there spending a lot of money, I feel like it's people that want to buy things that aren't going to surface for a while. You see cards that only pop up once every month, once every two months. And then once that one pops up and it's bought, it doesn't come back into the market until another like six months or whatever until that card 4Xs, 5Xs in price. Um, that's how I see it with the big money right now. When it comes to the smaller money in the space, and the, you know, like the, the people like us or the people like you guys watching the stream, a lot of you that are, you know, buying, selling daily to try to work your way up. I think a lot of it has to do with what can provide your best bang for the buck, which is why grading has become such a big thing because it provides a lot of bang for not as much buck because you get to make margins of something that's not calling the right set or the right player. I think being able to do that, you also mitigate your risk. Now it has become much more competitive to get non-graded cards that can get nines or tens, which has made it much harder. But I still think people can do very well with it. And that's how I see it for like, you know, the difference between people are investing small amounts of money or medium amounts of money and then high amounts of money. It's like there's multiple different ways to do it. There's something for everyone. And I also do think people who, uh, you know, are buying to collect who don't have as much money too are definitely looking at those things that people want to lock away. But they're just, normally those people are the ones that get it earliest. And then that, turns into something huge like because they actually want to collect it actually want to put away for a lifetime versus people then coming into the space and foreseeing what someone wants to put away for a lifetime which is why generally the smaller people in the in the early smaller meaning the ones that aren't as talked about uh do so well because they were so early to it doing hey, well today uh, guys quick quick comment for you um because i know we've talked about this before and what you brought up reminded me of it uh you know how you always talk about grading cards to get PSA 9, PSA 10s because you can make money on it, but then it seemed like it was just like a basketball thing and it hadn't really caught on to baseball? Yeah. Um, well, I was looking up Bo gold foils because I have one, right? Just tracking the price. And there was a non-graded one that went for $105 shipped the other day and a, PS and a PSA 10 that went for like $580 shipped the other day. And then a PSA 9, so $105 for the non-graded, a PSA 9 just ended for like $125. So, uh -huh. one twenty-five. Um, that's not so that at least margin, though. What? One hundred and one twenty-five. That's your grading fee. I understand, but like at least you're seeing that. As before, it wasn't your grading fee, 
slash, uh, you know, maybe you're making the exact same in baseball as you would non-graded. So it just wasn't worth it to get PSA 9s. At least you can send anything you think will get a PSA 10 in. And if it gets a PSA 9, maybe at this point, you're not losing out on that grading fee. Yeah. So it's good. you're I mean, not it's out good point. I'm not, it's better than what it was, right? Yep. And I, I'm I'm such a fan of nines. I think that a lot of you here have heard it. And I think there's actually a question about it too coming up. Um, I just feel like now I'm not saying that nines are better than tens. Like if you can get tens, go for it. But if you're working with a smaller budget, you can get so many more cards and really diversify what you're doing and like get just nines just make your offering so much higher than if you're just chasing tens. And I think you could I think a lot of people over the years have been so hung up on only gain tens that they pass in opportunities on cards that they could get for nines that then five X, 10 X, 20 X in price because those cards still gain demand. It's a, it's a trickle down effect everywhere when it comes to these cards. It's what, what what's the best a 10. Okay. 10, four X in price. So that means that the nine's probably going to at least three X in price or something like that's just a very quick, no data analogy. It's, that's probably not the exact example, but something like that. All right. From Jeff in Jersey. No, any type. There's no type of Jersey this time. It's just Jeff in Jersey. Just Jeff in Jersey. Kind of sad. No, I guess he's not really a big basketball fan. No, uh, no basketball jerseys on. My question about SGC. I know PSA is clearly the leader in all categories, and I agreed with them. But someone has to occupy the second spot. If BGS is going down, who will step up? Everyone loves Nike, but Adidas still sells sneakers. It's fact. I have been seeing a lot more SGC cards in eBay, which means more people are using their service. Uh, here's a yes, more people are using their service, but how many people are actually holding those cards because they like the long-term prospect of them? Now that that's just a dumb thing for me to say because people sell PSA tens all the time, but they still believe in PSA more than other companies. <laughs> but uh, I guess my point here is that you look at these values across the table. I grabbed Luca PSA 10, SGC 10, and BGS 9.5 just because it's the easiest one to get comps on because so many people grade these cards. And the PSA 10s back on February 8th was 13.25. SGC 10 on February 8th was 8.45, and BGS 9.5 was 9.30. Uh, I cannot believe that SGC has caught that much up to, to BGS. And that is like... That's bad. If you're BGS and you're charging an arm and a leg for your grading and you look and see that your values are barely pulling in more than SGC, that is, I think, a, a woof for BGS, who I also heard increased prices again to try to tier, like make people stop grading cards with them because they don't know how to fix their issues, which just seems like a terrible idea. You make people stop grading cards with you and they might not come back. Mm -hmm. So that's rough. Um, PSA 10, clearly a dominant factor, the force. A lot of people have started talking about HGA, a new innovative grading company with AI technology. Um, how good is that AI technology? We don't, it's hard to say because there's not much to compare it to. Um, I know some people have liked what they do. I myself, I still think their prices are too high for what they're offering. Um, if you are a new company getting into grading, I think you got to do whatever you can to make people submit your cards to them, not make them think about submitting your cards to them. And charging too much is a really bad way or really good way to turn away business, um, especially if you can't prove secondary market values. That's the other flip side of it too. The biggest problem with getting a card grading company off the ground is getting good secondary values. And then any, I'm not saying this is happening, but sometimes I do worry about people trying to get those values higher. And I think that Nate, do you remember the whole MBA thing, the diamond certification? Little oh yeah, that disappeared, I huh? I don't think it's disappeared, but it definitely hasn't done anything that noteworthy. And I, I was fearful that those cards were being bid up when that started to happen to try to give it affirmation for people that see those sales to be like, oh, that matters. I should be buying those. I should be sending cards to them, whatever. I'm not, that's definitely, like I'm not saying it's happening at HGA. It's just a worry of my, my own when I see a very new thing coming to the market with very few instances out there in the marketplace that, that could happen with. Um, I myself am all in on PSA. I think what they're doing is great. I think what they're bringing into the table to progress their business is great. And I do believe that someday in the near future to short-term future, they'll come out with AI grading and that that will just kind of 
end it for anyone that's trying to do it. I mean, not to say they can't build a company out of it. I'm not saying that. There's always room for other people in the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at you know, you got ESPN, but you got Bleacher Report and you got sure. Fan Sided and you've got The Ringer and you've got, you know, people always need, there's always room. You might not become multi-multi-millionaires off of the yeah. uh, venture to be SGC or HGA or whatever, but you can make some money. Yeah, and that's I'm not talking about them as a business. I'm more talking about like how their cards in the secondary market compare to each other. Oh, yeah. And, but I, I'm trying to say like I agree with you, and what you're saying is that like there's definitely room for them to do stuff. It's not me saying they're not going to survive. It's just me saying uh, I don't think their second that their cards are just going to command that price in the secondary market unless there's something that we see that a lot of people start to buy them for whatever reason, and then anything can happen. But also the CSG slabs, if those things don't change and if that label at the top is like half of the card, I won't even give it a look. That thing needs to be so much smaller. You know what I think we need? What? Somebody who's super rich that can afford to buy this SGC 10 of any card, crack it, take a picture, video of them cracking it, sending it into Beckett, seeing what they get, cracking it. Sending it into PSA, seeing what they get, and then we can compare. Do you know what I'd be interested in? I wouldn't be interested in them doing it once. I'd be interested in them doing it twice. Yeah. Because that, I, I think that's back to SGC if you get still get a 10 or not. I think that's even more interesting than than going through the process once is going through a second time to then compare not only against the each other's company, but against their own company vertically. Like how did PSA do once versus twice? That'd be a really interesting thing. All right, I think that we kind of tapped out that conversation. Anyone in the comments that wants to keep it going, by all means, it's always nice to see you guys going back and forth in here. I appreciate that a lot. All right, and this is where the PSA 9s come in from Jeff in Jersey as well. I love the 9-grade debate, and I agree with a lot of your points. A 9 is a great card. i like you to expand to older cards, though. You usually talk ultra-modern 9s. How do you feel about Jordan 9s in the 80s and early 90s or any superstar from that era? I have to think they're a much tough, much better play than a nine of Zion or Luca. Let me know your thoughts. And also, Nate, pitchers and the catchers have reported. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also I, position players. Jeff, I'm so with you. I just talk about the Zion and the Luca nines because of all the comps that are ending, and you can compare them easily to the non graded cards right now. But shoot, any nine from the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s of tops, chrome tops, finest. Uh, those older Fleer sets, some hoop sets, whatever it is, like all the way, like those nines are huge. And that's more like what I was talking about because I remember reading something and this was referring to when I had my, or I still have it, the Nike Jordan promo PSA nine. Someone said that they didn't buy that card because it was a nine and they just don't buy nines. But if you pass on that card, when I bought it, you would have missed on a massive increase in the market just because you'd want a 10 and you couldn't afford 10 and then you don't get the nine. And then you're left empty-handed. I think that nines from those early years are just like awesome. Because how many times are you gonna even go and find a non-graded card now that's gonna turn into a nine? It's very slim. Like going and finding a card from early two thousands, nineties, eighties, and turning that into a nine. Um, I I love it. And also, when you get that old, I think it should be pointed out that there's nothing wrong with eights or oh, sevens. Yeah, Six and I. I think for a lot of people like myself, if I'm out there and I can't afford a PSA nine of, let's say that metal universe Kobe card, heck I'll buy a seven. If that's what fits in my budget, that's what fits in my budget. If I believe that card's big over time and the nine's going to double in price, my seven will at least move it some in price, you know, like, cause there's a people like that me out there that just I mean, want the card. Your, your Hank Aaron's a 3.5. It's a PSA three. Your, your Hank Aaron's a PSA 3. Do you love it? Absolutely. Did it gain value? Indeed, it did. You know, like, yep. and that's not even what matters to me. I don't even care about the value gain. But that's just pointing out that if you're, if you can't afford something that is a low grade and you believe in the card, go for it. Like, for sure. Like, don't let the grade stop you from buying a card you really love. Of course, it should be pointed out that if we're talking about ultra modern cards, I don't think there's ever going to be a market for a PSA 5 Luka Doncic rookie. Oh, I, Hey, I bet you there's a weird market, though, for PSA 2s and modern cards. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'm serious, man. There is? Dude, 
I feel like if you get a PSA one or two in a modern card, it just is like, I guess that's the same way with Pokemon, but a little bit older Pokemon. I think that PSA ones from Pokemon are like worth way more than like PSA threes. Hmm. I'm, I'm probably wrong on that, but I think that I've heard that from some people that like sometimes there's like this like weird like, and then here's the other thing. Like, do you take your three and then you damage it more and try to get a one? So should I be searching out that pop? That pop one PSA one Bowman Chrome uh, LeBron, trying to get that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no one and a half, and there's no twos. There's two threes, three fours, three fives. Look at this from uh, up from there. From Coach PSA one Jordan rookies went from sixteen hundred to forty five hundred recently. Like, I bought a PSA two at the National twenty nineteen because I wanted the card. There's no way Jordan I could have afforded a PSA 6, a PSA 7 of the Jordan 86 rookie. You have one of those? Yeah, I have a two. Who oh, no. <laughs> but, but I mean, no doubt I won the card. And like I, I keep saying, like I don't plan selling that card. I love the card. But if I were to buy it for the value increasing to sell it, like that would have been a smart idea. I go. This is kind of funny. Joe says, I go by years if it's from the 80s. Then eights are okay. If they're from the seventies, PSA seven, nineties, PSA nine. That's my method. If it works so, for you, it works for you. Uh, 2011, 20, 2011, Mike Trout, PSA one is okay because we're just well, PSA eleven. We're starting PSA it over. PSA eleven. <laughs> well, no, because nineties, eighties, seventies. We're in the tens. We were in the tens. So PSA one for me, Mike Trout, all day. <laughs> Here we go. And one more thing from Coach. When it's the grail, when it's the grail or any personal favorite, buy the card, not the grade. I say just get if you love the card, get it, and then you won't regret it. That's I mean, happened to me so many times. Like at, if you just what I'm using it as my uh, stand, but I was in I was in the. Uh, can you see that? Here, let me take it out of this out of the thing. Oh guys, look at Nate. <laughs> this I is was, gonna be hilarious. I was in the uh, in the uh, antique store the other day, and they had cards, and this was twenty five cents. And you can clearly see that it is a terrible, terrible shape. But it's got Lou Alcindor on there, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Bucks Championship Game Two. I didn't even know this was a thing. Now I want the rest of the cards, and I'm not concerned that it is in terrible shape. Just a sweet <laughs> card. Things bent in half. <laughs> So, I <laughs> know I'm. I'm just saying it's awesome. Exactly. So it's not. You know, it's a very, very valid point that if it's a person, if it's a personal card, who cares what the grade is? I could care less that this would get a PSA zero. You know, if I send <laughs> I mean, it. Out. I wish that zero was a thing, like so bad that we can't even give you a pour. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Eric? How's it going? Oh, Nate, some Vlad talk. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> I love Vlad. I really do. I really hope he's good. Weight is down, um, but I really need to see him get that ground ball percentage under 50%. He was chilling at like 54%, and that's just too high. Uh, he needs to start elevating the ball more to make use of that like 80-grade power that he has. Um, he hasn't done it yet, but I think year three had a weird year last year, and he's still better than year one. Year three, I'm expecting big, big things from Vlad. I cannot wait. Michael says, because it was a quarter, your card, but if you're dropping 2K, condition matters. Just saying. Well, I guess it depends if it's already graded or not, because I spent $1,500 on my Hank Aaron PSA 3, and that was a bad grade comparatively to the rest of the scale. But I loved it, and the centering was awesome, and that card has done awesome. So I guess the point is, is that you know, if you're spending market, so like if you're buying a card for 2K, that's a low grade but you're paying market and you believe in the card to increase in value or you love it or you think it's going to do well long-term, then I think it's awesome. You know, grab a low-condition card, but you have to pay market. Of course, you can't pay 2K for something that's worth 1K and think you're going to do well. Yeah. All right. This is second to last. Is it worth it to invest in wax of lower tier types of cards, contenders, retail, rookies, and stars football, or will it not see an increase in value in the long-term? Please don't do that. 
please don't go and buy retail wax from 2020 football, like contenders, like rookies and stars that was very highly produced. That was never supposed to be a good retail product. You can't get on-card autos out of these. It's even harder to hit the actual good players out of these. Um, please do not invest in that stuff. There's so many better places to park your $75, $80 right now. I think that's short and sweet. Nate, you probably agree with me on that, right? I agree. I agree. I just didn't want to ignore your opinion. When looking at rookies, is it best to say to stick to the base rookie for investment purposes, but the parallels for collecting purposes? As an example, picks are attached. The 2003 Fleer Mystique LeBron rookie is out of 999, but there's a die cut parallel of 600 and gold parallel out of 50 at Drake's PC. I think you're in here, so thanks for the question. Uh, on the far right, that gold that's supposed to be a number out of 50. That one is like missing a serial number. If I were you and you're looking at this card on eBay because it is currently listed, I'd probably avoid it. I'm not saying it's a fake card, but I just feel like a missing serial number just is a little sketchy. So I wouldn't try to buy that card if you're going to eBay to look after the stream to maybe buy it. But I do love this card. The far left, the base number on 999 is really cool. And to address the original question, I would say – if you're buying base cards from 2000 to like 2008 of that like older top stuff, like you're fine. Like that's a good investment. I think the pops are low enough. This particular card, any base card that's serial numbered is awesome. Like it's great. Um, if you're trying to compare it to a die cut or a gold out of 50, a die cut out of 600, I think those are superior. Like I don't think that there's any reason why people would sit here and say like, Oh, you would only buy that die cut if it's a collector. And if you're an investor, you have to buy the base on $9.99. I think any rookie that matters of great players, the more scarce it is, the better if it's from a great set. That's how I see it. I don't think there's anything that says only collectors can get these, only investors can get these. Um, I think that it just spans across the board. Now, I will say if it's something super random that investors just don't care about, then yeah, it's probably a collector card. Michael agreed, but are you a collector, an investor, or a flipper? I think the hobby lost track of the collector mentality, and I worry it may ruin card collecting. Uh, I'm definitely a collector that also has his cards to be an investment. Like I've held my some of my cards for forever, and that's not to say that I'm not never going to sell them, but that's just to say I'm for sure a collector. Like, that's how I started. Um, I also did a lot of flipping in my day, and I also did a lot of investing in my day. So I think that you can do everything. I don't think that you have to s split up the the, pe the groups of the people. Now, there are people that strictly do one thing. There are pe people that strictly do an another thing. But I think that you can do everything. I don't think that you can only do one and not the other. Um, I also don't think that losing track of the collector mentality is going to ruin card collecting. I think it makes it more difficult to get cards you could have in the past for cheaper. But I always, always think that there's going to be some option out there. It might not be the same exact thing. You might not be able to get your favorite set for the same number, for the same price. But there should always be something you can get your hands on in the hobby to connect with it, to collect, to enjoy it. It's harder, no doubt. I'm not going to sit here in front and say that, oh, you know, everyone can do everything they did five years ago. You just can't. But that's how it goes when a market explodes. Um, there's still something for everyone, I think, though. <laughs> From Ben, not basketball-related, but 10 years ago, I thought the greatest car on earth was a Sean Alexander jersey card. Ben, I still got that card in our box. <laughs> still got that Sean Alexander jersey card. Hmm. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh. I, I tried oh. to unlock it. Oh. Uh, will Vlad transition to first base? Yes, presumably, since Bobachet is entrenched at shortstop and they signed Marcus Simeon and Kevin Biggio should be entrenched at second. Um, Marcus Simeon should be playing third base uh, and Vlad would then ideally – shift over to first unless he uh, shifts into DH if they want to get him off the field completely. Um, I will say this. I bought a Kobe Stardate PSA 10 for 2K when they were selling for 1K in April. You guys are very wrong. My scratch case PSA 10 copy I bought for 4,900 sold it for 44K. Yes, if you believe in a card, you can obviously go over the price. You know, this is in correlation with the question from earlier about, you know, wanting a card in good condition. Uh, you can go over the price that, and you can make money, but just because it happened once doesn't necessarily make it a good idea. 
And here's the other thing is that you probably paid 2K when there were no others available for 1K. My point is, is that if you can, if you, if you're just like buying willy nilly and spend a thousand, two thousand dollars when you can readily available get another one for like a thousand, a thousand five hundred, then yeah, that's a bad buy because you can go buy another one. But that card, I know you probably couldn't have bought another one for 1K. Just like how there's other things out there that many people set the new all time high because you can't get another one. So that's the same case. And I actually stared down the Kobe Stardate PSA 10 $600 when it was selling for 500 and I passed on it. Um, obviously, not a good idea. Um, that's probably one of the bigger mistakes I've made when it, it comes to like actually buying cards for my collection because I only make a very few plays. Um, like I bought an Mbappe Kaboom a couple months ago. I make very few um, purchases for my collection. That was one of them. I passed on the Kobe Stardate, but you you know you you live and learn. I also picked up the 08 Tops Chrome Refractor PSA 10 instead. So, you know, not not bad on that. There's a lot of stuff flying in here. These guys don't know anything, especially the bearded guy. Uh, that's a cardboard commission from Instagram. It's true. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Um, Drake PC I'm says, just, "I'm just here to be the pretty one in this equation." <laughs> right. The eye candy. Uh, so to speak. I don't know if either of us are that, Nate. <laughs> people has come to people has come to hear our voices, which probably also aren't great. <laughs> PWCC stated that the missing serial number was common for the gold out of 50. Well, if they said that, then yeah, it's it probably is legit. I wasn't questioning the authenticity of the card. It just like it doesn't scream something to me that people have confidence when buying in, which is probably also why it isn't moving. Or I know the price might be a little high, but I just feel like that's hard to have great consumer confidence in a card that's missing a serial number once normally supposed to have it, even if it is real. Nate, how does someone learn about the next player up to invest in baseball? Ooh, like what's, I, like what's, the, what's the very sh- like you know high-level process so that someone can take something and start doing something right now? Uh, very high level. Pay attention to what other people are talking about. So last year, you would have been seeing a lot about Vlad and Juan Soto, and you would have been hearing a decent amount about Fernando Tatis. Well, if I was, I'm a betting man, and I'm like, okay, Vlad and uh, Juan Soto are here. If Fernando Tatis seems like he can play like he can, because so many people are talking about him, invest in him, watch him go up. Next guy in that list right now would be a, a Wander Franco when he gets rookie cards, but he doesn't have them yet. And next guy on that list would be like Jason Dominguez. Um, and then there's always going to be pop-up guys. Uh, Bo Bichette, since we've been talking about him, um, is a guy, not a pop-up from a prospect standpoint, cause he's been a very good prospect for a long time, but, uh, you know, a guy that people weren't really, you know, his PSA tens are $125, maybe even less right now, a hundred dollars for a rookie. Whereas, uh, Juan Soto's are 200 or Juan Soto's. Well, Juan Soto, we can take Juan Soto or 300 bucks, right? And so um, just kind of try to find who people are talking about, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, um, and not necessarily card people. I don't necessarily care about card people because they're just going to be pushing their own agenda. Find out what writers are talking about, what what baseball people are excited about. Because if all of a sudden you're like, wow, everyone's bringing up Fernando Tatis about his bat flips and this and that, you're looking at a guy that has staying power um, because if he gets into the mind of just regular people, He's going to be in the mind of card collectors. And see, so Nate, here's, guy. here's the other thing, though. I do like your point, like, oh, don't just pay attention to what card collectors say. But there also is a point to pay attention to what card collectors say as well, because then you can read the demand and possibly act differently. So I'm, I'm adding to your point that that. So Fair like point. that would be a good way to couple that with what you're talking about. Yep. Also, um, David, thank you. I love Marco Luciano, and somehow I didn't bring him up, uh, but he is another guy, especially. If you're looking for a guy that is cheaper than Wander Franco right now, but also might be like the number one prospect in a couple of years and might be a better investment than Wander Franco because he plays in San Francisco, which is a huge market. And it's cheaper. Marco Luciano is your guy. You're looking at Mojo PSA 10s for like 170 bucks. Uh, Wander Franco's are like 325. So, um, and then his base, base Bowman Chrome PSA 10s are like, 120 and then you have autos that i don't know the price of off the top of my head but that being said he's cheaper and san francisco is a huge market they've got rapid fans out there if you get the number one prospect in baseball playing in san francisco could be huge 
All right, we'll take a few more here. Rage, what's up? You're coming in just at the end. Definitely uh, rewind and watch the beginning. Some good talk. But um, what are you guys' thoughts about Hall of Fame established modern players, Giannis and Kawhi? Uh, not particularly just these two guys, but I think guys like that definitely lost a lot of demand over the last three months. But I think that it's a wave. I think you see new trends, old trends. Stuff goes up, stuff goes down. It's a constant flip-flop, what's hot, what's not. And I think that guys like that right now are fairly good targets based on what the overall market has been doing in the moment. Um, that's not to say that the older cards aren't going to keep on progressing in value because I believe really strongly that they will. I understand these are also very good players right now when people aren't thinking about them or talking about them as much. What happens if a guy like Kawhi or Giannis really gets into the mindset or the minds of NBA collectors once maybe one of them are going to the finals or something. And obviously it's not guaranteed, but just like once that hype starts to build, I think that it can uh, pay off. Michael Brown, thank you for the $5. I do appreciate that. It's going to Camp Kessum. But who's your guys pick to be MVP for the NBA right now? Lamella Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Ben Simmons. Uh, M- MVP, I really want Steph Curry to win. I mean, I want Giannis to win off anyone, but that's probably not going to happen three straight years. I really want Steph Curry to win. I think it'd be an awesome story to lose Clay Thompson, lead the Warriors to a really good seed in the West, have an amazing year shooting over 50% from three. That'd be unbelievable if he can do that with the volume of shooting he's doing. I, he might drop below 50% after his last two games, but uh, I, I'd love to see Curry win MVP. Hey, um, a couple more questions here from me. I, I I don't know why there's so much talk about uh what is going on here. I accidentally clicked drop uh, one. There's a lot of it. there was a lot of uh, San Francisco talk there between uh, Steph Curry and Marco Luciano, which is <laughs> I think a first for us. Yeah, for two guys from Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, why does everyone gloss over the Bowman first and go straight to the tops rookie? The Bowman first is the elite card. Is it because it's the cheaper entry point? Um, yes, I I do think it's switching. Right, you're looking at um. Flagro Jr. Bowman Chrome first are like all-time high prices right now, despite him not having been like amazing to start his career. Fernando Tatis Bowman Chrome first are insane priced. Um, so you're watching it switch, and I think it will probably keep trending that way, where uh, you're going to be probably regretting if you p- sell a Wander Franco Bowman Chrome first right now, you'll probably regret it a couple years down the line, right? Maybe next year, uh, maybe by the end of this summer. Um, so I do think it's changing. That being said, Yes, uh, if you're looking at like tops Chrome rookies, a Bowman Chrome rookie of Wander Franco right now is fifty bucks. I don't know. Somebody could probably get that answer for me real quick, but um, let's say fifty bucks. I imagine when his tops Chrome rookies come out non graded, they're going to be five, ten tops. Um, and so I think it's a lot easier for people to be like, oh, I can buy five of these the price of one Bowman Chrome, but then you look at a Bowman Chrome PSA 10 of Fernando Tatis going for a thousand bucks, and you're like, oh, I should have gone that route. Bennett, I was listening to the ESPN radio show, and they are debating who's the next face of the NBA is after LeBron retires. Your thoughts? Here's the funny thing is that Svee McKaylook. What? Svee McKaylook. Get out of here with that trash. Hey, Nate, really funny. So I went back and watched our cards and covers, just like skip through the video from two and a half years ago because I had someone say like, oh, these playbacks are so awesome. Like go back and watch some more videos you did a long time ago and like commentate them because I did that with the penny stocks of the national. And there was a point in that video when you were showing off Devontae Graham pink hyper optic and you were like, guys, Devontae Graham is going to be the best investment right now. Like you were clearly like kind of serious, kind of joking, but that was one of the cards were like 25 cents. You're like, Devontae Graham, going to get all these minutes, going to score all these points. And I'm like, wow, Nate was actually right about something for a while. <laughs> and now he sucks. Well, actually, he's had a knee injury and hasn't been playing the last couple games. <laughs> yeah, just funny stuff, though. But to address this question, um, the funny thing is so many people were talking like within the last year or two, like, oh, who's the next face in the NBA? And at the time, it was a lot of talk about Giannis or Luka. And it's like, when was the last face of the NBA an international player? Yeah, LeBron, Jordan, whoever before that, you could keep going back and back and back, like, you know, Jerry West and Kareem and all these other players. But uh, who do you think? I mean, who do you think is the next face in the NBA? I don't know. I don't think we'll have a LeBron face. 
I I feel like it'd be more of like a collective group. Do you not because feel that? I don't think any of these Giannis is great, right? Luca's great, um, Kawhi's great, but like the guys that I think would be a face, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. I'm not yeah. so sure they're still going to be around before LeBron retires. That that's I was just going to say Steph Curry. I feel like, but then I started to think like, oh, LeBron's probably going to play another like four or five years because he's insane. Yeah, Steph's going to play another you know seven or something. But by the time that LeBron's done, then he's got the last two years of his career or something. Yeah. So then after that, it's like I don't see a discernible difference between a guy like Jason Tatum and a guy like Giannis, a guy like Luca, where I can be like. <laughs> You know what? That looks like the face of, ba- of MLB or M- MLB uh, NBA. Jello Ball, <laughs> Angela Ball, <laughs> uh, Luca, Ja Morant. I like Ja a lot, but I just don't know who. Like face of NBA, I, I feel like the closest to that is a Giannis, a Luca, a potential Tatum or Zion. Like, I don't – maybe Jaws in that category too, I guess. But that's why – that's kind of like where I see, like, the five that could be the face. Yeah. And probably, I, I, guess, I guess if I was a betting man, I'd bet on Zion. Well, here's the thing. It probably depends on who's making it to the finals. What made LeBron the face of the NBA other than that he's the best player and he's scoring all these points, getting all these assists? He brought trash Cavs teams to the finals every year. Sure, sure. And, yeah, he did. And he didn't win. But he went to the Woo! Exactly. He went to the finals every single year. Like, first off, no one's going to do that probably. But those people need to get into the finals to be claimed as the face. Yep. Hey, um, there was one other question I was going to answer quick because it pertains to like a uh, – a rule I have when investing in players. And Rage Card says, don't sleep on my guy, Mauricio Dubon. He's a multi-tool player. And don't get me wrong, Rage. I love Mauricio Dubon. Uh, he's a former Brewer. We are Brewers fans. I had high hopes for him. We got him in the Tyler Thornburg trade where we traded Tyler Thornburg and got him and Travis Shaw back. Um, that being said... While I like him, I think he's a good player, and I think he's a solid MLB player, like a two-win player for a decent number of years in his career. He is a multi-tool player. Unfortunately, one of those tools is not power. And I don't care who you are. If you don't have power, you had better be unbelievable at other things. Like Nick Magical is unbelievable at not striking out and making contact, but even him. Um, and he's a good defender, and he's got speed. But even then, without that power... Uh, not many people want to invest. I feel you. I feel you. Um, here's another thing. You got to think about when you're talking about just going right back to the face of the NBA because I just don't care as much about the Mauricio Dubon comment. I do because he's a brewer at one point. But uh, who who's getting plastered everywhere? Like who who gets plastered everywhere? It's gonna be you know Zion, right? Like I feel like Zion. More than Luca is going to get all those deals. I don't know if you feel that same way. If you think about it, like LeBron's everywhere. When NBA, you show LeBron highlights. Yeah. Like, like I guess, I guess I feel like, I mean, I feel like I see Zion and Luca like a similar amount. Yeah, but that might just be me, like not really paying attention to how much I'm seeing them. I wasn't as much saying even like at this exact second. I'm more saying like that's something that would determine this in the future. And I would just say like my bet's on Zion for that type of thing. Not to say that, that means that he's going to have a uh, – that that makes him the face. It just helps. You got to win and you got to be good, obviously. But uh, honestly, I think that that's all we got for today. Wrap it up here? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Everyone, there's a lot of people in here talking, and that's some really great discussion. Thank you, everyone. I hope you guys uh, – enjoyed it and talked with each other maybe learned a few things along the way i always think i learned a few things along the way as well i think Um, i think my favorite part about the the uh the chat section on the side is that there's times where like not once did i think i'd be talking about marucio dubon on one of these live streams you know yeah i love did you ever think that like there'd actually be like a presentation question on him but then like eventually like something random turns into this turns into this turns into this 
I, I love that too. It's awesome. Hey, Joe, it. Zach, thank you all for uh, enjoying it. David, I, I appreciate that. And Rage as well. It's, uh, it's always a fun time here. Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, YouTube live stream every single week. The form for questions for next week is in the description of this video. That's how you can submit a question for next week to get onto the presentation if you so choose. If not, we will see you all next week. I appreciate all you coming. And stay tuned for this week's Slab Stocks Breaks and all the other content we got going on because it'll be a fun time as always. And everyone, tune in Saturday when I'm in Miami breaking 2012 Prism. I want to see you there in the YouTube live stream. It's going to be crazy. And go to your antique shops and buy sweet cards for 25 cents. There you go. Do that. Everyone go pick up the most destroyed card you can for 25 cents. Best investment out there, right, Nate? As far as I'm concerned, this is worth a million dollars. You guys heard that. The price tag is a million dollars. Whoever uh, emails Nate Furtz gets it. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you all next week.